My parents would always tell me that, you know, they, well, I should say they always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. Um, whether it was comic books, photography, curating, I mean, they, they supported me wholeheartedly in whatever, wherever my passions took me. But there was a, a somewhat of a constant reminder that being a visual artist in uh, the Bay Area was like taking a vow of poverty. And uh, it, it, and you know, I saw firsthand, you know, that it, it was not easy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Cultura Podcast. My name is Monty Rossetti. This week, I'm joined by a member of one of the most legendary families of our mission district, Rio Yanez. Rio and I discussed the influence his mother, Jordana Lopez, and father, Rene Yanez, left on him, his future in art, and the importance of activism through art. I hope you enjoy. recorded this um i was telling rio that i was was a little bit nervous because of uh kind of starstruck you know and and and, and rio uh, this is the first time i'm meeting you but i've already been told you're honestly one of the nicest people uh but you come from this legendary family a family full of nice people um but rio the most important question i want to ask is how are you doing today i'm doing good i'm doing good i'm uh, in uh my mom's apartment right now uh, in the mission district um I'm, I'm kind of going through a process of packing up her apartment and uh, discovering treasures in her archive and artwork. Um, but uh, today's been a good day and I'm really excited and happy to be here. That's that's good to hear. And if you're listening to this and you don't know, Rio Yanez is, uh, is the son of two legendary artists, uh, René Yanez and Jolanda Lopez. Um, Again, two people that were near and dear to our community here, um, two amazing, amazing people, but you yourself are also an amazing artist as well. But so my first question, and you might have a chuckle after I ask you this question because it is kind of funny. How did you get into the arts? And you could be like, Monty, that's a no brainer. But was there anything else, you know, you know, as a young child that you were kind of uh, interested in or was it always, I'm going arts full through and that's, that's it? Well, I think, the arts, it's it's kind of like the family trade, you know, like um, on my mom's side of the family, like everyone was like worked in like, like as like a seamstress or some sort of like in, in the, the, you know, making clothing. And I feel like art, you know, for it's something I inherited from my 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 parents, but to be honest, my childhood dream um, was to go into comic books. Um, I think the my life changed the first time uh, my dad like brought home some X-Men comics for me and I was a little kid. It just changed my, my vision of the world and my aspirations as an artist. And so comic books were my creative passion for decades. Um, and I was just incredibly privileged to be surrounded by uh, 
all of this, all these amazing artists in, in the neighborhood and the community in the Bay Area. And I really think those two things kind of came together. And that's, that's really guided my, my vision as a, both an artist and a curator. So I got to ask, who's your favorite uh, comic? Was it X-Men? Is that your favorite? For most of my life, uh, it has been uh, X-Men, like the Uncanny X-Men. It was, I, I lived and died for each uh, issue each month. I would go down to 23rd in Mission to uh, the San Francisco Comic Book Company. And, um, you know, like, that was, it was like going to church. It, it, it was... Um, it was the one thing that kept me motivated for school and, you know, just really kept me going. Uh, as an adult, I um, I kind of fell off the X-Men bandwagon, I'm, I'm ashamed to say. But uh, I, I really love, uh, Love and Rockets is probably my, my big uh, comic book passion as an adult. Uh, the work of the uh, Hernandez brothers are, I think it's just, they are underappreciated masters and um, I... Uh, that that's definitely been my my obsession of the last decade or so. But uh, X Men definitely uh, crafted just my creative and aesthetic view of the world uh, when I was a child growing up. Of course, and then I mean, I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they read these comic books, but there was I give a lot of props to the creators behind comic books. So it's such an interesting field in the imagination that you know, just like you're in the arts and the imagination that you have. Um, it's it's definitely uh, something that's amazing, and and to, to kind of be a fan of it is, is is something that even as an adult, there's no shame in being an adult and being into comic books. There's much love for that. Um, I did want to go back to something you talked about with your parents and kind of saying that was like the family uh, the family trade uh, trade. And and I kind of have something familiar. My my father went to SF State and was uh, broadcasting, and and although podcasts weren't around back then, but he was still doing audio and video. So I kind of understand where you're coming from with that. So my next question then was, how was it growing up and um, and being nurtured by these two renowned artists as parents um, and helping you become an artist? Well, I think, um, I mean, it, it's real funny. I always tell this, I'm sure my parents hate this, but like my parents would always tell me that, you know, they, well, I should say they always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. Um, whether it was comic books, photography, curating, I mean, they, they supported me wholeheartedly in whatever, wherever my passions took me. But there was a, a somewhat of a constant reminder that being a visual artist in uh, the Bay Area was like taking a vow of poverty. And uh, it, it, and, you know, I saw firsthand, you know, that it, it was not easy, you know, I mean, Till the day they both died. I mean, my parents lived paycheck to paycheck. It's just, you know, I mean, they were working class to the very end. And um, so there was the, you know, art as, as a pursuit, it was never glamorized. I was incredibly privileged to be exposed to a number of legendary artists, of, of icons of the neighborhood growing up. But um I think the day-to-day -day struggles of my parents definitely kept me firmly rooted in reality when it came to the expectations of the art world and, and what it meant to be um, people of color kind of navigating the, the both the social and kind of business aspects of the art world. So now in the art world, uh... When this episode airs, it will be uh, mid-November. So your uh, exhibition at Soma Arts for Dia de los Muertos would just have wrapped up. 
Um, but you have done this exhibition since, correct me if I'm wrong, 2006? Is that when you started? Yes. So the lineage of the show can be traced back to the Mission District in the early 1970s uh, to my dad um, as part of the collective operating Galeria de la Raza. Um, he kind of spearheaded an effort to um, curate and, and present altars as uh, as art and and kind of, you know, it was, I think at the time, a very novel approach to to curate an exhibit of altars and to present altars, uh, very traditional, especially at the time, very traditional Mexican altars in the context of being art. It was, I feel, definitely a risk, you know, all those years ago. And from there, he just really kind of spread his wings and, and flew with it. And, you know, as time went on, got more experimental and, and more abstract with, you know, what an altar is and, you know, really, really opened up the, um, the, the roster of artists he worked with, you know, it wasn't just Mexicanos or Chicanos, it was, you know, he embraced, you know, Asian American artists, black artists talking about what it means to, to honor, uh, and celebrate the dead and, um, you know, and, doing it as in different forms by creating like rooms. Like when he, he originally started at the Galleria and then it went to the Mission Cultural Center and at the Mission Cultural Center, he did rooms for the dead, which were like these like closet sized spaces where altars were set up, but they were kind of enclosed and in their own environment. And from there, he, you know, it took a, he made a few other stops, but, it, and it, it ended up at Somart's. Um, so my dad has been, you know, curating the show for, you know, decades and decades. So by the time, you know, I started collaborating him with, with him on it, he had been doing it for, for so long. And um, it was, it was just a really kind of special thing to be able to, to work with my dad on it, you know, and, um, you know, our, our relationship over the years kind of had ups and downs, but it, it kind of creatively collaborating like that, I think really, really brought us together. And um, since 2006, you know, I've been curating the exhibit uh, together with my dad uh, up until 2017. And then in 2018 and on with uh, Carolina Quintanilla, uh, who's my my kind of collaborator on the show now. And yeah, it's been a constantly like evolving exhibit. And I feel like that's, that's kind of the intent and the legacy of my father is to, to keep experimenting with form and, and with our, our definitions of what an altar is. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been a real privilege to, to have the space to, to do that and to, to work with the staff of Somarts to realize the show each year. And, and for the listener, um, Rio and Carolina did a, a nice piece for El Tecolote, the, the paper, and also on the website. So you can go ahead and, and listen to them and specifically talking about the uh, exhibition at, at, at Soma Arts for Dia de los Muertos. 
Um, but I did want to ask you, and thank you for for giving us kind of um, like a history lesson of the beginning of the Dia de los Muertos exhibition and 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 just the history in San Francisco. That's that's a rich history, and as you says, it, said, it goes back pretty much the same time when El Tecolote started back in the early 70s. Um, so there's a lot in common there. Uh, but moving forward, as you said, um, and, and again, I do want to preface this by by saying my condolences because of the loss of your mother recently and, and also your father uh, a few years ago as well. Um, with, with those two um, you know, landmark moments in your life and also with the, uh, the pandemic that we're all going through, how has this uh, exhibition that has uh, currently that has just finished. Um, how has it been uh, difficult, or or kind of you know, did you look at it in, in a new lens because of this, these different experiences that you've recently been through? I think it's been a really interesting mixture of um, of of two different things in the last two years. One is I feel like there's much more of a collective sense of what we're all experiencing. Um, I think what's kind of new, unique to the time that we're in now in the last two years is that, you know, growing up, I was very fortunate to not experience a lot of loss of close friends, of family. And I feel like we're now in a time where we all know someone who has passed away from COVID and, um, you know, and or whose family has been deeply impacted by it or, you know, and I think for especially a lot of young people, you know, they have not had kind of an opportunity to process that kind of loss before. And I think we found ourselves in a position where collectively, you know, there's been this kind of deep wound, this trauma that we've experienced together and we're, we're dealing with it individually, but I think, you know, the the power of of the show is that it really uh shows us that it is something we are experiencing collectively and it's something that you know we're we're trying to heal from collectively um i think there's that but there's also the element of uncertainty when it comes to actually staging uh exhibits in uh, physical in-person exhibits um right now and you know, at various times, like there in in June and in July, there was kind of a, a wave of optimism that we were writing, and and we thought, you know, oh, we could do this, and we can have this programming, and and then things started to shift again, and you know, it's it's producing um, it's producing work and asking asking others to produce work and invest in in your idea, but also facing a lot of uh, uncertainty. So um, I am just really like, just really grateful and kind of humbled that the show is able to be staged right now because it is, it, it, it's a lot of thought went into it, a lot of kind of planning and safety um, um, planning just went, went into realizing the show. And we didn't really know what kind of moment in in you know in this collective experience we would be in um you know when the show went up so i'm i'm just really grateful that it exists um uh, and that it it continues to persist um but i i think it's you know when we talk about day of the dead when we talk about altars and and their meaning and and their power 
I do think there is something that that's really that we've experienced together in the last two years that has really just heightened um, our our sense of of loss and of mortality and of of you know of grieving, but together, you know, and it's something that we're, I think more and more we're recognizing, you know, kind of that that grief in each other and. I think the um, last year's exhibit was definitely about kind of acknowledging um, acknowledging that collective experience. And I, I think really this year's exhibit is really asking like, where do we go from here? Like, how do we rebuild? Uh, how do we move forward with each other? Like, what is the world that we want to live in? And there's a lot of really amazing pieces that and installations that speak to that. Um, so I think the last two years have been very unique. Um, and I, I think it's both in the art, but also kind of in the cultural context that it exists in right now. No, and, and well, talking about, you know, the arts, you're, you're part of a community that's historically vocal against the powers that be, you know, the status quo. Um, you, I mean, again, going back to your parents, you have parents that, uh, your dad made sure that Chicano art was was a mainstay in our society. Your mom also was someone that was an activist when it came to her artwork as well. So um, how do you make sure, especially, you know, you talk about the last two years and you're referencing COVID, but also politically, you know, this country has been, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, as divided as it's ever been, because people say that a lot, even though I will argue that this country has always shown it's very divided. Uh, but that's my personal opinion. Um, uh, but yeah, so how do you continue that kind of um, momentum with the art community, especially the Latino art community here in San Francisco through your own work? If I'm being honest, I think it, it's a struggle for all of us. You know, I I don't know if I have a really like easily well-defined answer for that. Like I, I think, you know, and especially, you know, especially in the last, you know, several months with what's been going on in the neighborhood um, with Sasha Perigo and the, I mean, there have been some extraordinary pieces of writing and actions taken to support her, but it's also really exposed like a, a really kind of deep division um, in our community and our community organizations and activists. And I've struggled with that. Like I, I, just I've really struggled with that to see you know friends on the other side of the aisle when it comes to talking about these issues and acknowledging that they even exist in our community so I I, I feel like you kind of got me on that one because I I feel like we're in a moment where you know there's a lot we're, we're we're coming together on and there's a lot we're collectively experiencing but uh right now in this neighborhood like I mean I I'm struggling with it. I, I am very much struggling with it. No, I mean, I think honestly, that's that's the answer. And, and, and you know, it, there was no, definitely no, you know, trying to get you kind of moment there. But I think that's that that struggle that you talk about, especially with the events that um, that happened within the mission community with with uh, with Sasha, um, they were in a way eye opening. But I think you know, we all knew that this is sadly part of the Latino culture as well, this masculinity patriarchy issue. Um, so when it comes to in the arts, yeah, I mean, obviously, 
I honestly like probably the best answer is we're all trying to check ourselves and make sure that whatever we do in whatever field that we're in, we're doing it the right way. We are voicing whatever we can, but then we're also listening as much as we can too, which is um, one of the mainstays about this podcast. And, and, and again, one of the main things when it comes to anybody involved in your family, when it comes to any work that you have done, it's always been that kind of message where it's like, I'm putting my voice and, you know, and when it's time to listen, we listen. And that's one thing I can respect out of you and the whole art community for the majority in, in San Francisco. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, I, I think it's acknowledging just how complex we are. You know, I mean, um, the reason I think that like the day of the dead show it's, you know, we've had, you know, since I started collaborating with my dad, there, there's been two curators for the show every year. And, you know, when my dad, you know, initially invited me to, to collaborate with him, it was like, oh, you, you know, all these younger artists, you're really in tune with like, you know, I, I was 26 at the time. It was like, you, you know, you have kind of an in with this community that I, I don't, and you have, you, you know, things about, you know, this younger generation of artists. Uh, that I don't. And really, I mean, now I'm, I'm 41 years old. And um, in, I think, in collaborating with other curators, like, it is important to recognize like our blind spots. And, you know, it is important to, I think, to be as accessible as possible to to other voices. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of how the exhibit has embraced, you know, queer artists, women artists, like black artists, Asian artists, like it, it's, it's really, I think, an amazing representation of, you know, how complex and intersectional our, our community is. Um, but I, I also know enough that it's not something I can do completely on my own. And, um, and yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I am now the elder wanting to know what the what the kids are up to and um and i i think the intent to to embrace that is something i don't want to lose no real i mean i i think i actually i love your answer because exactly the way you said it it's not black or white it's it, there's this massive area of gray that we are all trying to figure out as we move in. And and, and again, I think, um, I mean, in, in the past with a lot of these episodes, we've covered a tons of subjects. And for me, I think the, the privilege that I have as the host is I am waiting for any guest to be like, Monty, you're wrong. You said that wrong. And, and honestly, I edit these podcasts too. And I'm going to leave that part in there too, because that's a sign of education and, and being comfortable with that education as well and, and learning. And, and again, yeah, I mean, trust me, I would love for for me to be like, Rio, how are you going to fix this? And then you were like, this is how we're going to fix this. <laughs> that would be, you know, the best thing ever. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have that, um, that that capability. But again, we're, we're all learning and we're all trying to move forward. Uh, but I do want to pivot to uh, the community as well in a, in, a, in a sign of unity. So on October 16th, a number of Bay Area artists uh, headed down to San Diego, including yourself, for an opening of your mother's art exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art in San Diego. Uh, during that time, also, you spread uh, your mother's ashes at the Gigano Park. Uh, what was it like to see the impact your mother had on so many artists that that traveled down there uh, in, in, you know, just showing love for, for her? 
it was so powerful. It was just a really, I, it was such a privileged experience for me because I, you know, I, to my, I think when I, when I think about my mom and really like her, her legacy and lasting impact, it's, it's not, it's not her work. It's really her, her mentorship and her connection to the community. And it was an amazing collection of, you know, people who she had been activists with in the 60s and 70s, um, her, her artist community from the 70s and 80s, and young people that she had really connected and mentored over the years. And so it was this incredible, like, multi-generational crew from the Bay Area that went down there. And... I think the show was a really big surprise for a lot of us. Um, you know, I when I walked in there, the very first thing I noticed were two portraits, two self-portraits of my mom that I had never seen before, that I had no idea existed. And the reason for that is because they were in, in tubes in my mom's bedroom for, you know, the entirety of my, my childhood and life. And like, you know, I remember like, I, I remember all the tubes that she had, you know, lying around and um, to walk into the space and to see those things that were, were kind of like clutter in my mom's apartment growing up as these really incredible works of art. Um, was just really such an amazing experience. And like I said, there were things on the walls there that I had never seen before. And there were, I mean, it was just a really special experience to see so much of my mom's artwork at once. Like I had never, you know, I'd, I'd been to plenty of art openings, um, but I've never really stepped into a space and every direction I look is her work. And that was a really kind of a profound experience for me. I think uh, as an outsider, um, one thing that I've learned so far talking to you, um, you did mention earlier that your parents gave you the warning that going to the arts, it was not a place where you're gonna make a bunch of money. Uh, but at the end of the day, happiness was, and in, 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 in finding that kind of impact that you had within your community, I mean, Rio, the more you get to know me, and if you listen to these episodes, you're going to know I'm the most corny person at times when it comes to things. But when it comes to the messaging that you're talking about right now, I think that says a lot about um, the impact. I think that that's obviously worth more than than anything when it comes to money or whatever. Um, to, to remember people like that, I think that says a lot. And that's something that's that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and I think my last question to you. Um, so your parents always supported you to to be what you wanted to be. So what does that future have in store for you as an artist or, or just as a human being, you know, just moving forward? Uh, what do you have planned? Well, um, I think it's in 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 really in the aftermath of, of both of their passings, I've, I've become kind of a steward of their their work and their archive. And there's a, a lot that I have to figure out with that. And, um, you know, I really want wherever they end up to really have it be accessible to the community. Um, I am hoping to, um, to uh, do what I can to have my mom's show tour. So I, my dream right now is to have it come to the Bay area. And uh, I don't know when, I don't know how, but that is, that is the goal. That is the dream. That is the uh, ground floor. And I'm climbing the ladder to that goal uh, right now. 
Uh, but beyond that, um, I think, you know, SoMarts has been incredibly supportive of my family, of uh, just, and, and allowed a space to continue with the Day of the Dead show there. And um, that is my, that is my love. That is my like creative passion right now. And it's honestly some of the best therapy I, I've had. So um, it, that work continues. And I think um, really the work of my parents, you know, it continues for all of us and it continues for all of us in the community. So um, we keep working, keep listening to each other and um, that's where you'll find me. Perfect, Rio, thank you so much. And we'd love to have you back on. Uh, hopefully you accomplish that dream of going on tour and we wanna know, we wanna be the first ones to announce the dates and everything. We want everybody to come to our podcast and be like, okay, cool, we know. But again, I, I, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast and, and, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Monty. Uh, it's great talking with you. Thank you for listening to Radio Teco, the podcast of El Tecolote, California's longest-running bilingual community Latino newspaper. If you enjoyed listening to this episode and are looking for more of our content, please visit our website, eltecolote.org. And if you value bilingual storytelling and would like to support our next 50 years of community journalism, please consider making a donation or sign up to volunteer. Thank you.